You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I am your host, Mike. Tonight I am joined by Chris. Hello. Who has been on the podcast before, but it's been a while. Like, it has been a little it's bit. It's been a few months yeah. since we had you on the podcast. So. Nice to hear you all or see you all again. Yes. Radio see all you again? Well, we're <laughs> sitting in the same room, so you are actually seeing No, but the people oh, listening. Were you, oh, you were talking the people to people listening. Ah, okay, yes. It's nice to talk at them yes. once again. Okay. For you to hear me. <laughs> all right, so we have some interesting stuff to cover on this episode. Yes. And the first thing that I want to do is I want to actually um, kind of dive into a question that we got from one of our listeners. And this is a really cool question. And, and this is, to be honest, something that we're really only... Um, I shouldn't say we're really only addressing because we would we would have addressed this regardless. But I'm I'm excited to answer this or talk about this a little bit because this uh, issue is actually something that's been of debate in topic, the pagan slash witch community in recent days, uh, weeks, um, online and in a, a few other spaces. So um, so the question basically is, um, what what really is the deal behind utilizing blood? in your witchcraft, particularly in the form of an offering to spirits and gods, specifically okay. gods. Okay, so, so I want to talk about this a little bit. And Chris, I would love to get your take on this too. So the first thing that I want to say in going into some of the traditional associations that we have with blood is that blood is always seen as a conduit of power. Uh, it is sacred. And should, of course, never be spilled without extremely important purpose. Um, but it is it always see, is seen as a conduit of power. And would you agree, Chris? Yes, it's also, a, it represents you. It is a piece of you. Like, both scientifically and magically, it's DNA, mm. and it's your essence. It's your lifeblood, is what they call it. Yeah. So you're giving a piece of your life to whatever, whoever you're offering your blood to. Yeah. Blood is also a direct connection to our ancestors. Both spiritually and genetically. Um, and I think when we look at blood and spiritual work, it helps to think rather than the rather than to think of the blood specifically, I think it helps instead to focus on the concept of sacrifice. Um, many traditions, and I'm talking you know the, the ones that are the roots of our contemporary practices, those that go back millennia, many if I would dare say most traditions utilized sacrifice as some sort of ritual process. And that doesn't always mean the letting of blood. But human sacrifice, though it may not be commonly done these days in too many places, was at one point very common. It was a main practice that for was, lots of civilizations in the past. Absolutely. And as you, you and I were chatting before, there were some situations and, and traditions and, and practices where that was all that God wanted. Yeah, that was the only acceptable offering. Yep. You know, and we still work with a lot of those gods now, right? There are many people who align themselves to uh, gods that have very strong warrior kinds of kinds of uh, associations or, or very strong ties to death right or physical processes of life into death and those were gods that were like absolutely i will happily take your blood yes give it um to you know <laughs> and so though you know we we of course don't realize you know this isn't something that happens in in a lot of traditions but there are still many traditions that also still associate or still include animal sacrifice Right, you know that's a, that's a, still a common practice in many traditions. You know, ATRs, yes. um, certain practices throughout uh, the Lukumi um, family of practice or of traditions. I mean, you know, and and those those are integral parts of their practice. That that's part of how this works. You know, I mean, we even if we want to get biblical, we'll go back far enough, and human and animal sacrifices were done by the communities, by the the cultures that we see 
basically, you know, being the, those that were found the foundation for the Bible, right? Exactly. So, so everyone has done this for many, many years. Um, and again, the blood being spilled in many of these rites served two purposes. It was first, uh, or one purpose, an offering of power to the spirits and the gods who received it, right? But it was, again, also a sign of our commitment to our practice, our commitment and our devotion to those spirits and gods. Chris, would you say that there is, we, we can give our spirits and our gods anything, right? If we have it within our, our material means to oh, give absolutely. them money, uh, crops, whatever, whatever the things would be, right? We can give them that. But to really to give them something that is, in a sense, a sacrifice of ourselves. Yeah, it gives it more value. Plus, if you go and you look at poor people or people who are less, mm-hmm. less inclined to have material wealth or have the things to offer up, mm-hmm. That's the only thing they had, and it was definitely important to them because that's their life. That's hey, this is this is my energy, this is my lifeblood, this is my source of energy, and I'm giving you some of it because that's how important you are to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I agree completely. And uh, you know, and, and as I already stated, we 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 do not do this carelessly, lightly. Yeah. This is this is a very important thing. Right, uh, not important necessarily to do, but a very important thing. You want to place importance upon this if you choose to do this. Yes, I would, so I would agree. As we just touched upon a moment ago, there are many gods who love to receive offerings of blood. Okay, uh, because as we just mentioned, this is a substance of life, and one of the most precious things that we can give. Right, um, and any attempt. This is this is where I'm going to kind of get into some of I think the, the debate that's happening right. within the the pagan community right now. Okay, but any attempt to dispute the history of this, I mean the history of blood offering to spirits and gods, um, really in a sense is is really what people are doing. I think in the process of doing that in in a more modern context is they are colonizing and uh, I would say whitewashing the historical cultural practices of many people would you also say that they're actually trying to make an excuse or a new rule to cover the fact that they don't want to do that now i i would i would you know and i i think that um like we're civilized now we don't want to draw blood or give blood or offer blood we're above that but like you said, the whitewashing mm-hmm. of history doesn't change the fact that it's always been a, a, a valuable, acceptable offering, mm-hmm. and I, technically, it still is. There's yeah, no I, reason I, why I, it can't be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I would agree. I think that you've got something there. I think that there are a lot of people who are, for whatever reason, um, they get a bit squeamish. Yeah. Or I would even say like superstitious and fearful when it comes to the use of something like blood in their ritual and spell work. Um, and we understand, of course, that in the process of spell work, yeah, you do probably want to be particular about how you're utilizing blood. So that that makes a perfect point that I was going to bring up. Because okay. one thing that I would be hesitant to do with blood mm-hmm. yeah. is working with goetic spirits or angels, and they ask for blood, like in a contractual type of thing, because then you're giving of yourself as part of the contract, and I feel uncomfortable about that. That's for myself. I know I would I would agree. In the yeah. context of specifically goetic spirits, yeah. I honestly, I'm trying to think of a situation... It, I, I really I can't think of a particular moment or situation where a spirit that would be identified as uh, as an angel where they would have asked they for probably blood. would but they're just so different. not human blood who knows in, yeah, yeah they would definitely ask for animal sacrifice um, but goetic spirits in particular they will ask for things like that yeah and you're right I mean whether whether it be goetic spirits whether it be um, servitors that you have created 
um, you know, other kinds of spirits, you know, you really, you, you do, you very, you need to be very careful with that because if you make that agreement, unless you're very specific about what that looks like, they will continue to take your blood. Yeah. And you, and you don't know how much of yourself you're giving. Exactly. Unless you yeah. really clearly define it. Yeah. Well, and they'll get that blood in, in particular ways. I, I related a story on a prior episode of the podcast where we, we spoke on, um, basically i think mistakes that had been made in the past you know sometimes as practitioners we get a little full of ourselves right i know when i was much younger i i had moments of arrogance in my practice and um and i remember an experience where i made a promise to a spirit of blood and then it decided oh well i got what i wanted i don't need to make good on that oh. promise anymore <laughs> and that and with seriously within probably just a few hours of that like i nearly cut my finger off they while got, I, they while got I was trying to vacate their blood. Yes, you know, that makes perfect um, sense. You know, so they'll get that blood one way or another. Um, so yeah. So anyway, back to what we were saying though. So, so yeah. So I decided. So again, no, you're good. No, you're good because that that was good. That was that was good. Good clarification there. Um, but as I was saying, there's been this debate right now, and I really I want to say I think that the the ba- the sides of this debate that we see are really primarily, um, and I want to be very clear because I don't want to pick on. Anybody, Austin is very quietly trying to sneak through the room now. Hello, Austin. Are um, you going to join us? <laughs> but you're adoring, adoring fans. They're going to um, want to hear from you. Anyway, so I, where, where I'm seeing this from, and again, I want to be really clear. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, any any branch of paganism, any anyone's practice, okay? But where I'm seeing this debate happen a lot right now is between people who identify as traditional witches and occultists... And the Hellenistic pagan community specifically. Um, Hellenismos, or Hellenistic religious practice, has this concept, includes this concept of human, spiritual, and physical impurity, known as miasma. Because this exists in their religion, um, they, they refuse to include any human component in their workings like basically anything that comes of you or from you as a human being is seen to be corrupt or impure and the gods don't want anything to do with that right um and to be really clear i just want to make the comment that hellenistic religion is not witchcraft okay right um i i've i've had a lot of interactions with hellenists who have really, I think, kind of overstepped in a, a very weird way, you know, their privilege as it would relate to their religion. It's a very, for me, it's it's almost like, it, it almost harkens to like Abrahamic faith, like Christianity. It's very much this like, well, this is what my books and what my religion says, and this is what's true. And if you don't do it this way, then there's something wrong with you. Your practice isn't legitimate. And you're an affront to the gods. And I've actually had Hellenists say those exact words. Um, and it's ridiculous. Um, Everyone needs to like take a step back and realize that's not good for them specifically. Yeah. And, and that's as far as it goes. That's the yeah. boundary. That's, and then my views and beliefs and my books and my learnings and teachings... That goes for me and anyone else who feels mm-hmm. that that holds true for them. So that exactly, that's, and that's what we have to remember is like our view does not apply to everyone else. Absolutely, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit though, since we since I brought it up, I want to talk a little bit about miasma yeah. as a spiritual concept, and we actually have talked about this on the podcast before, but this is very tied into this issue, so we're going to go over it again, okay? But to to clarify, you know, the concept of okay of, of this, okay, as human beings. Okay, we, we do interact with energies that can corrupt us in some sense, 
right? Whether it be the negative emotion that we pick up from someone or off of someone that we, you know, that we interact with yeah. on a regular basis, right? Whether it be our own maybe mental and emotional health issues, right? Prolonged periods of Ill, physical illness, depression. These are all things, um, even particular spirits that we connect with can leave kind of a, a mark well it's spiritual or energetic parasites and entities Exa yeah exactly could corrupt us yeah. in that sense yes so that is that is a thing that does happen okay the distinction that i'm trying to make is that while that is something that can happen that does not mean that we are as human beings that we are inherently yeah. impure or unclean on a spiritual level okay that this idea of human spiritual imp impurity seems to correspond really strongly with the concept of sin that we see coming out of Abrahamic religion. Um, and I only really make this comparison because I'm of the opinion that if you need other people and a god to accuse you, to tell you that you are impure merely through the process of being human and living your life, you should probably just go back to church. Really, you should. No, At that point, why even bother? Why even bother being a Hellenistic pagan if that's going to be what that looks like? I mean, how, how disempowering is that, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Like, it's basically, don't bother, because even you just existing is flawed. Yeah. There's something wrong with you just being yourself. No. Well, and even with ritualistic processes of purification, so like within uh, Hellenismos, within Hellenistic practice, they have a process, uh, just one of them, referred to as kernips, which is basically yeah. a, a, like a like a water cleanse yes, in a, a sense where yeah. you you know you clear yourself with consecrated or blessed water, right? And this is something that must be done prior to approaching your gods in any kind of ritual or worship work, right? This must be done. Otherwise, your gods will not hear you. You will, in a sense, offend the gods by your very presence. But then they're not making um, any sense because if we're inherently corrupt or broken or wrong mm -hmm. you're going to immediately revert back to that exactly wrong yeah, exactly yeah miasmic yeah. state yes. where i'm not worthy mm -hmm. even after i just cleanse because yeah. you're basically saying that's inherently what i am yeah it would be like so if you were a christian it would be like basically like you would need to be baptized every day you know you just have to stay in the baptismal font and never get out really okay. and do everything from that font with the priest constantly baptizing you so okay. that you're miasmic level is gone or your yeah. sin is gone there you go exactly yeah so miasma is basically that's what that is miasma is i think in in, in a very loose comparison miasma is basically a, a a hellenistic concept of what we would identify as sin within a well, and it's a limit so you're, you're putting it's a self-imposed limit on those people they're, oh, not, oh, they're oh, basically oh, saying yeah there's things i can't do because mm -hmm. i already find fault in myself yeah which is, which oh, is horrible yeah it was, exactly and again that's one of the other big distinctions between this particular flavor of religion or paganism hellenismos and traditional witchcraft and i said a few moments ago that they are not the same thing and yeah. this is one of the reasons why is that this kind of a limiting idea this kind of limiting thought process any kind of limiting thought process like this, anything that would place a boundary upon you, your sovereignty and your personal power, anything that would exist that would basically make you feel like a shit, a piece of shit just for existing, yeah. that's not witchcraft. That will no. never be witchcraft because witchcraft is all about honoring yourself as yeah, a god. I was going to say, wouldn't it be anti-witchcraft? I, I would say it would be, yes. negative yeah. witchcraft? Because yes, it's like, it's the it exact be. opposite yeah. of saying, no, 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 you don't have any power. Yeah. You're lucky if something will help you and give you a little bit of power if you do all the right things and you do it the right way. Yep. I, absolutely. And and again, you know, to be clear, not trying to disrespect Hellenists, not trying to disrespect the practice of Hellenismos, but Hellenismos 
is not witchcraft. That is a religion. Um, you can be a Hellenist and practice witchcraft. Like, you can be a Hellenist and still be a witch. Um, but I don't know too many traditional witches who would seek out and choose a practice like Hellenismos because it is, again, very limiting. Yeah, as a, as a um, witch, we look for power, not to look for ways to limit exactly, ourselves. Exactly, exactly. So, but as I was saying, I do see a lot of Hellenists supporting themselves moral authorities within the pagan community. And um, to add to that and to kind of move you move you know our conversation a bit forward i also i have to say because this is one of the other debates that i get into a lot of the time with um not just hellenists but but people who find themselves within the pagan community allying to particular uh, or i would say like more dogmatic religious kinds of of worship and, and belief but many of the gods that appear in these quote-unquote paganistic religions they weren't your gods to begin with like, in the Greco-Roman pantheon, I cannot count the number of times I have gotten into it with a Hellenist about Hecate. I am a Hecatean witch. As someone who has ancestry coming from Anatolia, which is the area of her culture of origin, right? The first people who worshipped her came from that area, and I have ancestry from that area. And they weren't Greek. They were not Greek. There might have been Greeks living in that area and in that, in that, uh, that culture, in that area of the world and during that time. But all of those people were not Greek. I actually had someone just within recent days say, well, all the people that lived in what would have been Asia Minor would have been Greek anyway. And it's like, no! Oh my god. There were easily a dozen other cultures in that area of the world at the same time that the Greek uh, culture was in existence. And to say that they, they all would have been Greek or that they all would have practiced it some sort of flavor of Greco-Roman religion is completely dismissing and wiping out those cultures. That is erasure. That is erasure. Yes. Um, and your I'm just going to say it. If that's your, your take on that, you're no better than a white supremacist in my eyes. Yeah. Um, but Austin has decided to join us. Um, but anyway, but as someone who works very closely with Hecate, I cannot count the number of times I have gotten into it with a Hellenist where they're like, well, she's a Greek god. It's like, well, she's a Greek god for you, but she wasn't created right. as a Greek god. The stories that you have of Hecate within your religion, those aren't all her stories. Those were incorporations And the way of that you stories, work right? with her as a Hellenist is not the way that the prior cultures that existed who worked with her first and honored her first, that is not the way they would have worshipped her. And so you are, are wrong for saying that your way is the only way. Absolutely. So... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I hear that a lot. They're like, oh, well, people are always appropriating things from Greco-Romanism. And I'm like, really? Your entire fucking pantheon is appropriated. Well, just, since you brought this up, they appropriated Hecate. They made her into a titan to make her fit into mm -hmm. their mythos. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and she's not the only one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there, no, are, other, there are other gods in no, their pantheon. Most of the titans in the Greco-Roman pantheon all come from other cultures. And they mm -hmm. were usually the big gods in those other cultures that were very supreme. Mm -hmm. And then... We want this one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we understand, like, syncretization and that kind of uh, blending of beliefs was very common in that area of the world. You had so many different cultures throughout the Mediterranean and around that, that area of the world where it was it was very common. You would have, uh, you know, Greek and Roman people, you know, they, they were bringing uh, Kemetic Egyptian deities in their pantheons mm -hmm. or finding polarities between their pantheons, right? That was a very common thing. And, and in the era, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing, though we understand that syncretization in a more modern context is really probably not as... It's not, probably not working out as well as maybe we would like it to. So be careful where you're syncretizing your practices. Um, one final note I have on, on Hecate, since I brought her up specifically as a Hecatean witch, I will always talk about her because she's, <laughs> she's just... She's it for me. But... Um, I want to talk about her in this because she is always the first name that pops up 
when this debate comes up because there are people that work with Hecate from the perspective of or in the way that left-hand path practitioners may or people who actually have some knowledge and and familiarity with the way that her prior cults of worship would have worked with her Um, and Hecate, I'm going to say right now, was one one of her first archetypes. One of her the first things people prayed to her for was they prayed to her as a goddess of midwifery and childbirth. And you can damn well bet that she had no problem with offerings of blood. In the process of giving birth to that child, some of that blood that would be spilled, and there was always blood. Giving birth to a kid, there's always going to be blood, right? Hopefully not too much, but some of that blood would absolutely have been given to Hecate as an offering. Well, then the afterbirth and all the other stuff that exactly. comes out, well, that would all, all, it's still all, all, of, all of that, human right? Human body parts, it's, it's exactly well, well, ex- well, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the blood specifically, though, yeah. right? Because yes. that's really kind of the issue. That's that's the thing that continues to be a problem, right? Um, not only were these things that were of humans, but the blood specifically that would be resulting from a process of giving birth to a child, yeah. that would have absolutely been given to Hecate, by those older practices, those older cultures of worship, usually in a, as a component of ritual to help can, uh, guarantee further blessing and protection for that child. Exactly. Because those first few days and weeks and months of that child's life in that era were very dangerous. They were critical. You wanted as much protection for your new child as you could, and also probably for the mother in that situation, mm-hmm. because many women died in childbirth when many women died from health complications after right so hecate has never had a problem with blood sacrifice okay animals were were and and to this day are still sacrificed to hecate so though so anybody who is going around saying oh hecate doesn't like offerings of blood that person does not know what the hell they are talking about and they need to pull their their noses out of the greek magical papyri for five seconds and read something else All right, so let's focus on a little bit on, again on the concept of impurity based on our humanness. Well, that's kind of why I brought up the other bits of the afterbirth because that whole yeah, biasic yeah. concept, based on that other view, yeah, they wouldn't have wanted any of that. But yeah. but we know that gods and goddesses have taken that as offerings. Well, and but I mean, it's and you and you and I we we kind of touched upon this a few moments ago. We were talking about what kind of deity, what kind of god, because in many of these. Uh, paganistic traditions, you know, there's kind of this idea that these are oftentimes anyway. I won't, I won't, I won't focus on the, the Hellenists anymore because this is something that you see in many cultures. But there's a very often this belief or this idea that the gods ultimately they, they created humanity, right? We were very often the result of, of godlike power, right, or, or creation, right? And so I have to to ask these people when this in this conversation comes up and and I, I ask myself this a lot when i look at my own issues around my you know my belief in, in deities and gods what kind of a god would create something and then turn around and go ew dirty unclean impure stay away from me right i mean it's oh, it's very much you know that's something that I, i've always wanted to ask or actually i have asked christians it's it's been very much like that why would you worship a god that at every possible minute tells you that you are a sinner and that you are unworthy and unclean. Like what the, what kind of sick fucking mind game is that? It's like the worst case of Stockholm syndrome. There you go. Right. Like I just keep going back to this person who abuses me. Right. Anyway. 
So, ah, yeah. Particularly when they're seen to be, like, omnipotent, because that's one of the other things that we see, right? Oh, yeah. Like, even if, because that's one of the other things that comes up, is people will say, well, at the time that they created humanity, they didn't realize that humanity would become evil and corrupt, right? And I'm like, well, aren't mm-hmm. they supposed they to be omnipotent? They would have known everything about us the second we came exactly. into Exactly. Like, like shouldn't they have foreseen, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make this thing, and then these people are really going to fuck it up. And yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. And we continue to fuck it up. But I also think that that, to be honest, is really just a component of our humanity, right? We're imperfect, yeah. and we're... we're Gonna, we're gonna screw it up and hopefully eventually get it right i keep hoping Ugh. one day <laughs> maybe one day um so to clarify or to sum this up i want to say that the use of blood magic in ritual uh any kind of spiritual work is uh, should of course always be based on the rules of your particular tradition and practice if you are involved in a tradition or practice that doesn't have rules wonderful you're probably actually working witchcraft mm-hmm. if you're involved in some sort of paganistic religion that has rules or doctrine or dogma you're going to have to follow the rules of those rules if you want to be a member of that particular faith, right? Mm-hmm. Rules are there when it comes to religion, right? You're not yeah. going to decide you're going to become an evangelical, uh, evangelical Christian and still pray to Satan, right? That's, that's, not that's work. against the yeah. rules. Yeah. That work, that doesn't work. So anyway, so we see this, of course, being based on the rules, um, particular spirits and gods associated with those traditions, because as we were saying at the beginning of the episode, many of those spirits and gods, they, they want these things. Yep. If they don't, then that'll probably be something that'll be a component of the religious or the, or the religion or the practice that you're involved in. But, and I think this is really, to be honest, the most important, this also needs to, of course, very much be a personal choice. If you are someone who wants to work, even if you want to work with a god that has no problem with blood offerings... Doesn't mean you have to give a blood offering. Does Exactly. You can find something else. Yep. You can do something else. That blood offering needs to come from you deciding that it's important enough or special enough for you to give that offering of yourself. Do you want it bad enough? Exactly. Well, not only that, but even if, like, say for some reason you've got someone that's like, I, you know, I, I want to give an offering of blood, but... Um, I'm trying to think of like some really weird. I'm a hemoph- uh, yeah, like, there you go. Like I'm a hemophiliac, and I can't. I don't. I, I can't. You know. Like I mean, yeah. That's a obviously very extreme case, right? But it's valid. Um, then they're going to do something else. Exactly, and that's and that's okay. And the thing is, is if you're working with a spirit or a god that is the right one for you, they're going to be like, no problem. Yeah. I get it. Let's figure something else out. Absolutely. Right. So um, yeah. So hopefully. That will clarify this debate a little bit, okay? Um, as always, do some research into your spirits and gods. Make sure that, that you can find some evidence that, that maybe blood would have been a component or offering. I'm going to say right now, most gods have at some point or another have taken blood as an offering. That's just, that, that's just it. That's the reality. And people can debate that left and right, but... Again, those Terror. people more often than not have not been practicing traditional witchcraft. They are too. they are just pagans. Terra did too. Is when you had a newborn, yeah. oh, you yeah. immediately put the newborn on the ground, mm-hmm. not cleaned it up, didn't do anything. You yep. put the newborn on the ground so that they'd get Terra's blessing. Exactly, and Terra in exchange get some of the blood that was exactly. on that child. Exactly, she took right? that blood, am, amniotic fluid, all the fluids placenta, that came off that baby. Things. That was exactly. her offering. Exactly. Right? Yep. All of that. Yep. All of that is 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 how it's working and. You know, and we've talked a lot about Greco-Roman gods, but that's true. I mean, the Morrigan. Yeah, uh, yeah Morrigan if you're working with the Morrigan, blood. and it's like, no, she wants me to be vegan, and to stop that, I'm like, you're not working with the Morrigan. Mm-hmm. You're working with a trickster spirit. Yeah. You really need to look at other things, yeah. because the Morrigan is a bloodthirsty 
bloodthirsty god. Yeah. Well, and many other pantheons. I mean, we we, we, we have a lot of Norse uh, pagans in the area, you know, and they, they like to give offerings to their spirits. And I always love when they come in because they're always like, well, I don't know what to give an offering. It's like, have you thought of giving blood? You know, and they're like, well, why would I do that? It's like, you're worshiping a pantheon yes. of gods that were all warriors. Yeah. You think those gods need. didn't want <laughs> blood spilled at some point? And I'm not oh, yeah. encouraging you to go out and do something violent or hurt somebody, you know, but God, you know, God, prick your finger with a pin and put a little bit of blood on that candle or whatever the hell it is. You know, I mean, seriously, you know, uh, other spirits. Yeah, and if like, that's too much for you and you're working with those deities, unless you have like a medical condition, yeah. Probably shouldn't be working with warrior deities. Well, like, find like, find another way around. If you're too that. scared to like prick your finger with a lancet, mm-hmm. well, you know, like I said, like I said, you know, find find a way around that if you can, right? Just just consider these things. Right? These are these are things to, to be aware of. Mike's being nice. Practice. It's my turn to be bitchy because no, if you're working with a warrior and they are a war god, and you're like, I'm too scared to prick my finger, they're gonna be like, What the fuck are you gonna be in a battle then? Well, what are you going to do? No, I know I agree with you completely on that, but I I don't know. I think I think a lot of people they don't think about those things. They don't think like, okay, well, I'm worshiping a god who is uh, a god of war or has a very strong martial or, or warlike aspect, you know. And they're like, well, I'm going to give them flowers nope. and sweet wines, and you know, and you're going to have a god that's like, do you not know? anything about me and chances are no no they don't um yeah and that, that is that is very often the case and i think that makes the distinguishment between or that that distinguishes what we see happening between belief and knowledge and actual practice because it's the practice that is going to give you the experience it is the practice that is going to give you the interaction with the, that spirit beyond just learning about them for you to actually have that spirit come back and tell you i don't want this shit yeah this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Give me beer and give me blood and give me iron and give me, you know, like those are, you know, and again, I'm referring to the Norse deities again specifically, but, um, you know, like they're going to come back and they're going to be like, this, this isn't, this isn't what this is. This is what I want. This is what I've always had. These are the things I value, you know, um, and, and you've got to consider that. All right. Let's get, let's get to Chris. All right. We're skipping now to the Chris section of well, I don't know if it's Chris this, section this week's there's podcast. a question that I guess I'm going well, to help I answer. Want, well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because I think you're you're someone that's in a good position to answer this. Okay, one of the things that I think makes your voice on this different than say like if Austin and I were to do this, you know, and I and in saying that in no way do I want to say that at some point in the in the past years Austin and I have not also worked like the corporate America nine to five kind of job situation, right? We both have done that right. here and there, right? But our focus has really been primarily the work outside of those situations, right? Where you're now at this point in your life, you're finding yourself in a situation where you have the nine to five job situation. And around that, like in the evenings and on the weekends, you are finding opportunity now to do the spiritual work. Yes. You work as a psychic. You work as a healer. Yes. You've, you've (laughs) recently started doing some other sort of spiritual activities in the realm of ritual, uh, doing energetic clearings, these kinds of things. Right. Um, and so I guess what I wanted to kind of talk to you or why, why I wanted to have you on the podcast this week is how how do you balance those things? Because it, from my personal experience, these are like very different spectrum, spectrums of our being. How do you, how do you have, how have you made, made that work for yourself? Okay, so we'll, we'll just start. So the first thing I want to say is this is something that I've heard both you and Austin say that you need to incorporate witchcraft into your day-to-day life. Okay. Okay. That still holds true. So once a week, because that's what works for me, I mm-hmm. still do a devotion slash offering to my ancestors and to my goddess. 
Okay. Okay. But in addition to that, I'll just do random things. And it's weird because I've even taken the point, like in my Monday through Friday muggle job, I'll say, okay, I'm intuitive. I have this natural witch ability or this ability to use my intuition. I'll apply it to work principle things. Like I have a problem at work. I'm like, yeah, this is work, but there's no reason I can't pull some of my witchcraft and my abilities that I use from my spirituality into this to give me guidance and help me make the right choice or or ask the right questions to get more information in my mundane job. And okay. you, I do it all the time. Um, okay. The balance part, yeah, you have to say, okay, I don't get to focus as much on my spiritual um, learning and spiritual practices during the work week but you do you every night you have time you can do it the weekends you have time and then you can also just like you basically you have to schedule you have to yeah. want it enough that you have to make time or put a section of time aside to say this is for my spiritual practice this is for my magic this is for my abilities this is for me to do whatever learn something new practice what i already have go out and do or help someone you just have to make time for it. That's really the big key there is you have to say, okay, I know I'm working from here to here. I'm going to do this right after work. Yes, I can do a healing for you on this day, this time. Fit fit it in. Okay. Okay, so I've got an interesting question for you yeah, because ahead. you've talked about, and just in the answering that, you talked about how you've found ways to successfully bring your witchcraft and kind of kind of utilize some of those skills and those abilities in the day-to-day function of your nine-to-five job right Mm -hmm. how how i'm curious have you noticed does it work the other way have you noticed that some of what you get from and i'm talking the work specifically right because that'll be be all about the job um so yes actually there is parts of that because like there's principles that you learn through your work like perseverance and problem solving and applying a procedure or a or a ritual or mm. a certain practice to get in a result. And if it doesn't quite work right, you scientifically kind of break it down and say, okay, I did this and I didn't get what I want. I'm going to change this one aspect and see if I get a better result. You can do that for magic in your spiritual craft as well. You can say, okay, I know I did it this way. I didn't get the result I wanted. Following the procedure, I'm going to change one piece of it and see if I get a better result. Okay. And kind of document it or keep track of it. Say, this was my best result. And then you have like okay. a recipe or a truly written out procedure saying, this is how I do it to get the best result. And then okay. that goes in your book of shadows okay. or your spell book, whatever you want to call it. That's right. What about, okay, here, to kind of carry on that, that mm-hmm. same question. So what about issues of, say, like interpersonal skills? Because mm. we talk a lot about within the witch community, particularly around the concept of coven. Right, covens and, and finding yourself working with other practitioners and other witches. Could you see how developing the ability to sustain like professional working nine to five kinds of relationships with coworkers, how that could be something that could positively inform your practice in working with other witches? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that that helps with is is that compassion and that willing to listen to a different perspective. Mm-hmm. But you have to truly listen. You can't just say, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and tell me what you're going to say while thinking about how you're going to retort what they're telling you. That's all I ever do. You actually have to listen to what they're saying and give it a chance or actually maybe 
filter it through yourself, your own intuition to say, is that true for me? Or can I make that work for me? Or does that fit into my practice and my spirituality? If you get that gut feeling, yes, this is something, there's, there's something here that's worth taking, taking part of it and incorporating it for yourself. Mm. You kind of learn that when you work in a nine to five job. It's like, not everything is your way. Lots of times it's someone else's way. And then you're the one going, hey, what if we try doing this just slightly different? You bring it up in a big meeting and then other people give their points of view. And then you end up with the result that had five people contributing to get the final result that worked. Mm. Well, Coven's no different you should let everyone have a chance to contribute and find what works best and then be open to take all the pieces and make a, so, a solid whole or a good result from all the different contributions. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. No, I, I like that. Okay. Because cool. so, you know me, I'm all about being a team player. Yes. Hey. <laughs> as long as they do it your way. <laughs> yeah. I'm just the leader of the team. Always. <laughs> always. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We know that's always Austin. Um, when I was just teasing you. Okay, so what are... Let's see, how to word this. Just say the words. What What are the benefits to a mundane job that you don't always see in a spiritual job? Well, and this is going to sound really horrible, and I'm no, not, I'm no, not no, a, no, no, a no. super greedy person, no. but you always get a financial reward. Okay. Like, it's guaranteed. I work this many hours, I get this much money. Okay. Sometimes in the spiritual and in witchcraft, I can give hours and hours and hours of work and get little result. I get something, mm-hmm. but it's this little, oh, wow, I worked really hard for that little bit of justification or result. Yeah. While other times you could just do very little, like, oh, blah, 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 yeah, okay, that's enough. And very slight effort, and you get the, the same or even more result, and there's no necessarily rhyme or reason other than, for whatever reason, your power was in alignment. You did the right things on the right day without even knowing. And for whatever reason, all the energies lined up and said, yep, you get what you asked for without hardly doing anything at all versus work Monday Monday through Friday. You know exactly what you're going to have to do. Yeah. You know what your job duties are. You do it, and you do it for that set amount of time, and you get the exact same amount of pay. Okay. So you always know that you're going to get a result. Gotcha. And how much of a result. Okay. All right. What about, what about the emotional reward between these two different types of work? I'm just going to be honest. I get way more emotional reward from the spiritual and from the magical practice than okay. I do from the 9 to 5. I get some. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There are things where I've helped someone or I've done something where I know that, like, my work, I do stuff to help protect computer systems for mm-hmm. the state of Utah. Yeah. So... I can go at the end of the day and go, wow, this was something really cool because now I know all the citizens of Utah's their information is safer mm-hmm. because of this one thing I got done today. Yeah. So that can be rewarding, but so much more rewarding to do a healing or help someone who's got a, a magical problem and they're at their wits end, they don't know what to do, and they just needed an outside perspective and some little help and a little nudge and some guidance. And then they come back a week later and said, oh, my God, you saved my life. It's like everything mm. is so much better now. Okay. Thank you for listening and paying attention. There's so much more reward there. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like that. Okay. So so then to kind of recap. So what would you say to people who want to break into the spiritual field in whatever sense on a professional level? 
what would you say to those people around like say say like okay so because we've seen this a lot right mm-hmm. okay j- just to be clear on what i'm saying okay we see a lot of people decide oh i want to be a psychic oh i want to be you know and for them the motivation is like i can get rich doing this no I'm going to say right now that that's the wrong motivation because usually if you're really doing it and you're good at it, mm-hmm. you're not always going to charge the full amount of money. You might feel a calling or know in your heart mm-hmm. or your intuition or your soul, whatever you want to call it, that this person can't afford it yeah. and you don't ask them for the same amount of money. Yeah. It's not a money thing. This is a this is a spiritual fulfillment, helping people and helping the community, like the interactions of people so that as a whole, our community, witchcraft or spiritual community, whatever you want to call it, is just a little bit stronger and more connected. Okay. It's not It's not a money field. Yes, we charge money because there needs to be some kind of energetic exchange. Yeah. And, I'm, and in this time and this day of our world, money is a form of energy. Okay. But no, you're not going to get rich. You, you're better off following the 9 to 5 job pursuit getting the education and, and getting skills where you can go where you know you can make money if that's if you want to get rich where you've got a guarantee of money yes yeah okay so would you guys because austin you're sitting here and you're, you've been very quiet which is you know fine whatever but so <laughs> along lines of what you're just saying chris and along that question so because again i know you guys will both get this as well you've seen this and you've had this interaction with people right so along to add to what you were just saying so we can do this work and we can if we are really ready to hustle and, you know, and we're actually legitimate in what we're claiming to be, you know, and we're doing good work for people, right? You you can make a living doing this. Yes. You can make a living in a spiritual yeah. field. Absolutely. Okay? But if you want to get rich, then you have to start compromising what you really are doing as a psychic, mm-hmm. as a spiritual advisor. Mm-hmm. You have to stop caring about did the person get the message. Yeah. Did they really understand what they were supposed to get from that meeting so that they can be better? Mm-hmm. And you have to just say... I gave them their message. Next. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Well, and it's been my experience. And people in... It takes away the fulfillment. Yeah. Well, yes. Absolutely. Um, But also, I I think, again, focusing specifically on the financial piece, it's been my experience that many of the... uh, Many of the people that we see kind of become big names within the spiritual community. um, Like, when I say big names, I mean, not Mm -hmm. only do they have celebrity, but they also usually become... You know, they, they become wealthy. Yes. See the work that they do, right? They build a community and a following, and there's money in that for them. But it, it seems to me more and more that these people were usually people that already had money and resources to begin with. Or or if they didn't, when they got to that position, at least my, my observation, and I'm not a specialist, but I've, like, in just viewing these kinds of things, mm-hmm. it seems like they lose some of that authentic ability and genuine caring about what they mm-hmm. were doing for people it seems to diminish i'm not saying yeah. it's gone but it seems yeah. to like it seems to be less than it was when they first started yeah. well we talked about that on prior episodes it almost seems like um that as your priorities shift away from wanting to help and heal and teach and guide yeah. it almost seems like the spirits that work with you they kind of see that and they're like oh okay well if your focus primarily is to make the dollar, then we're gonna maybe we're gonna maybe dial your psychic abilities back a little bit because this isn't really what this was supposed to be, right? right? And we don't want you to be poor. There's nothing wrong with making money and living right. comfortably. Doing well, there's this. that energetic but, exchange. Yes. But now you are basically your profit. Your focus off has changed of, of other people's spirituality, or even worse, other people's pain, and maybe even and taking advantage of someone. Exactly. Because I'm sorry. 
I don't care how popular you are, and this is my opinion. Please, well, you don't need to be sorry for your opinion. Well, no, because it, maybe it makes me sound like a jerk. But so, so I charge forty dollars for thirty minutes for okay? a reading for a psychic reading. Okay. So if I were to go and say, oh, ten years from now, I'm super famous, and I start charging six hundred dollars for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, my abilities, as far as I'm concerned, are no different. Where did this extra five hundred and sixty dollars difference? Yeah manifest or come into being mm. well, it, does, just, it seems wrong well it's me. greed yeah. at that point right so then yeah. i'm not really helping those people i'm right. taking advantage of them all right okay yeah all right so again so i mean just to be clear you know i want to say like we we are in no way are, are we saying that people should be doing spiritual work for free no absolutely not. you have you have particular gifts you have talent you've got skills that you've developed money that you have certainly spent developing those skills you have every right to be compensated for the work that you are doing and and yes if you can make enough to pay your bills doing something spiritual, amazing, wonderful, because the world certainly needs more people doing that kind of work. If, if their motivations are right and they are truly what they claim to be. Absolutely. Because and if you know your tools. Yes, because there are a yes. whole lot of people out there right now that, that are deciding, oh, I'm going to be a psychic. I'm going to be a witch. I'm going to be a healer. And it's like, you... You haven't done anything to really earn this. Oh my God! And the, I, I usually I find those are the people usually who sooner or later they are they're they're taken out of that work for it. it we'll just say in some way they they have to stop because they're not really what they claim to be. Um, anyway, what what advice would you give to someone who was was looking to start so, working as a spiritual professional? Honestly, this is going to sound weird, but you already I, touched on some of these points. I would yeah. say. Do it part time, okay. Like just just to yeah. start. Don't right? don't yeah. drop everything that you're doing right now mm. to live and sustain yourself. Put your toe in. Yeah. Find a way that you can just start doing it a little bit. Mm. See if it really works for you. See if it's what you think it's going to be when you actually do it. Because some people are like, "Oh wow, this is harder," or "Not what I thought it was going to be." Oh yeah. And then if you quit your job and you're like, "No, I'm going to be this reader." And now your job's gone, and you're like, oh, I'm not liking this. I'm not like, and I'm not getting as many readings as I thought I was going to, and I'm strapped for money. Why do that to yourself? Yeah. Be, be cautious and be smart about it, and slowly work your way into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give yourself a safety net. Or this, this kind of work, I think, can be difficult in ways that people don't realize oh, because it's not just. Oh, I tell you, give you a pretty message, and now all of a sudden you're enlightened and your life gets better. Oh, no. I know know all of you sitting at this table, all of us have had to sit down with someone either in the process of a reading, something, and sometimes these people, because in that moment everything is so open and everyone is so vulnerable, right? They should be, right? Um, But in that moment, you see something that could be going on in that person's life that is truly horrific oh yeah for them like abusive relationships you know terminal illness i mean just and in that moment that i'm i'm honestly going to say that that really becomes a huge component of that experience you have to face that you have to look at that because more often than not that's really why they are there oh yes they might ask you to look at every other aspect of their life but this thing is always going to be the undercurrent that that is a crucial thing that you just touched on because that still happens now. Like I'll have someone come in for a reading and you start and they ask their questions and you get this message where it's like, they need to hear this, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Let, we'll say 
they've made a really bad choice relationship-wise or there's something really wrong going on in their relationship and they need to hear this and they need to hear the solution. Mm -hmm. And you give it to them and you see their eyes glaze over and they, they're like, oh, okay, but they didn't want to hear it. They yeah. don't want to do mm -hmm. it. And then the, you still get that message, no, no, they heard you, but they really didn't hear you. They're not going to do it. They're not yeah. going to do anything about it. They haven't really comprehended the message you're supposed to share. So then you have to try to find another way to say it in different words, but try to get the meaning across. And there are times where I've been frustrated because the whole reading was just me trying to get back to that one topic because I still knew from a reader and from an intuitive perspective that the message wasn't received. Yeah. And that was basically a failure because even though I tried and I kept giving them the, the message, they weren't receiving it nor did they want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we've all been in that situation. Um, and I, you're much nicer than me because I literally will just sit there and go, I'm not reading anything else. This is the message. And if you don't like it, that sucks. But this is the message. And you're not going to listen to me. You're not going to follow any of the advice. You're not going to take any suggestions because this isn't what you want. And that's also an issue is you came here wanting to know about all the things that were going well in your life instead of actually focusing on the things that you need to, you need to work on. Oh, yeah. And nine times out of 10, it's a relationship. It is a relationship. It's always, always a relationship. And that's why my regular clients know don't come to me without relationship bullshit. Unless they've been in like a relationship for 30 years, they're married and happy. And then something just is, off, different, yeah. Something and something's different. Then yeah, okay, we'll read on that. But if it's just the new flavor of the month, the new mm. flavor of the week for my client, no, this isn't the one. You're, you're, you're floozy, and that's fine. I don't judge you. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. But um, this is not the one. And really, you need to be focusing on the fact that, oh look, your kidneys are shutting down. Well, it's funny, you talk about challenges with relationships, and you guys, in asking that question, are kind of like leading the conversation in that direction. I was curious to see what exactly it is the two of you would be willing to share there, because you both related moments where in trying to do service for someone, you felt that there was a failure in the exchange on a spiritual level. Okay, but I guess, and absolutely, yes, that, that's something that we all have to deal with, because regardless of how knowledgeable, how experienced, how skillful we are with our practice, we're always going to have those, those days where I just didn't quite get this one right. This, well, this person didn't just quite get this yes, message. They didn't quite hear me. It's um, not necessarily you didn't get it right. It's you weren't able to properly convey the message where the person you were trying to give it to truly received it, yeah. incorporated it, and said, ah, oh, this is what... This is yeah. the reason I came. Oh no 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 here. no no! I I get that. Yeah. I guess I guess where I'm going with those because I'm I, I don't know Chris. You're you're new enough as a professional psychic. I don't know if you've had an opportunity or, or I shouldn't say opportunity. My God, what a weird choice of word. I don't know if you've had a situation like this yet. Okay, but I think Austin has had to deal with something like this because he's been reading for a while. Um, I've, I've been since I've, I was I've been reading for a, a long time too, and i guess what what i was trying to was curious to see if either of you would would mention is situations that i'm just going to throw out a personal experience that i had mm -hmm. um to, to kind of more clearly clear or clearly explain this but sitting down with someone who is i'm gonna be very careful here because i don't want to drop personal details right okay sitting down with someone who is in the middle of what you can very clearly see in the process of the reading is involved in a, an extremely abusive marriage. Like we're talking 
husband beats their mm. ass daily. Right. They are going through God knows how much makeup to try to hide bruises. They are right. wearing big dark sunglasses every day. They are doing, you know, they're wearing their hair down around their faces and, you know, wearing jackets in the middle of 100 degree summer, heat yeah. in summer to hide the bruises. Like, you know, they are really in trouble. And this comes up in a reading. And in that moment, you have to be professional enough to address that in a way that is not going to trigger them, right? Yeah. But you also, in that moment, you have to decide, is it my place in this particular moment? Not necessarily from the perspective of a psychic, but just as a fucking human being who cares that this person is going through something like this, to say, I am calling the domestic abuse hotline right fucking now. Or to talk to that person in that moment and say, I can see from your reading and the bruises that you have not so effectively hidden from me today, that you are some, you are being abused. And what are we going to do? Yeah. Because at this point, this isn't a psychic reading anymore. This is a, holy shit. This is a physical Are you ready to get out of this situation? And if so, right now in this moment, what can I do to help? Right? And, and I've had those moments. You know, I've, I've had to look women in the eye and tell them, you probably need to get an abortion. Mm. Because this situation is not going to go well. This pregnancy is not oh, going yeah. to be safe. Like, I've had to, you know, and in those moments, that's very tricky. Because in that situation, you have to take, you have to ground everything into the physical in that moment, right? You, you, you cannot be abstract about those things, particularly not where the traumas and the harm is concerned. Oh, yeah. Right? And you so, have to be factual. Almost so one. that's those are the things that I, 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 I bring up or that I try to convey to people when I have these interactions with people that are like, like you know, I, I, I'm learning tarot and I really want to be a psychic, you know, and I, I really feel like I could do this. And I know I've got really strong intuition, you know, and there's a part of me that wants to say, you can learn every divinatory system out there and you can develop every psychic ability that anybody could ever have. But until you can sit down in a situation like this and handle this in the right way, you have no business being a psychic. Oh, yeah. Well, and to take that, because that is absolutely true. And I've had a, a few experiences like that where I've had yeah. to say, what are you going to do? Because you continue in this path, mm-hmm. your safety is no longer guaranteed, yeah. and you could die. Mm-hmm. Like, your death is, I can see that your death is possible because lack of action here means that you're giving up. Yeah. yeah. But there's other things, too, where it's like you give them the message you even tell them the solution mm-hmm. because that was the message that came across. It's like, tell them to do this. They'll be fine. Yeah. They come back the next month. I didn't do anything you said, but what do my cards say now? And you're like... Exactly, yes. It's like, they say you should have done everything I told you yes, last exactly. time. Yes, Are you really why, ready to listen yes, this time? Why didn't you do all the shit that I told you to do? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I know we can all feel the frustration on that. In regards to the crisis, sitting with a client who's in obvious crisis... Whether that is an abusive relationship, uh, suicidal, um, drug issues, anything like that. Eating disorder. (laughs) Eating disorder. I had one with that. I have also. And you have to be very frank with them. You have to be very, very forward. Very blunt. Very honest, but very compassionate. And you also have to let them know, like, these are the things you need to do. If it's an abusive relationship... Then I tell them, I'm like, if you request I do not call the authorities, I will not. 
Right. But understand that I am anonymous. Mm -hmm. Your partner doesn't know me. But if you need me to call, I will. And even then, if they're like, no, don't call. I don't want it to get worse. I personally tell them, okay, I will not call. But I will have someone else I trust do it. Okay. Because there's, there is a need for that person to get the help they want. But also I have to say this. They have to want to get the help. Exactly. So They like, have to want out. And if they're... And no one wants to be in an abusive relationship. But when you're there and you're lost and you're coming to someone and you're telling them this is what needs to happen. But they're not... Let me not help you. Ready. And they're not ready or willing to let it go for whatever reason. And then it, it is important that you leave that option on the table when it comes to someone who sits down and very clearly needs a psychiatrist or a therapist or both or a psychologist tell them to get you tell them that yes absolutely and you do not try and play that you do not suggest you do not suggest oh you just need shadow work you do not suggest that you do not suggest herbs you do not suggest essential oils you do not suggest a cleansing bath you do not suggest anything like that you what if i steam my yoni no no okay no You do not suggest any of that. You first and foremost approach it in the very real, very mundane sense. Wait, well, as I was saying a moment ago, like this isn't about trying to then step in as a therapist or you you, you do not have the ability to save that person in whatever no. sense. You cannot save that person. I'm talking about just stepping in. Okay, no. I'm I'm still here from one human a, to another. Exactly. Yes. Like I'm here as a human being who sees you struggling in this way, and I I I, I, I care. Well, one of the things that I've found that I've done in those situations, the the ones that I've had, is that the question I have is, are you ready to do something to fix it? Or are you ready to do something to change it? Because I see this is happening, but right now, the current state of being is that you're just living through it. You're accepting or tolerating it. Are you ready to change it? And that usually gets a response of some sort. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, are you, because there's, and then, then you can bring up things like, there's places you can go for help. Or you can even say, do you have someone that you trust that you can get help from? Do you have, you know, family members that you can go to to remove yourself from that unsafe um, yeah, environment? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you maybe help them think about it mm-hmm. based or, on what you're getting from messages, yeah. too. Because it's like, because well, well, maybe yeah, they're exactly. stuck yeah. and you can say, hey, I know I'm seeing your mom. I'm seeing that there's a sister there that mm-hmm. if you ask them, they're there. Yeah. Well, in, in you know, in the example that I that I shared there, the, the personal experience I shared there, you know, of course the person was there to see me because they wanted to know, okay, if I if I decide to remove myself from this abusive situation, what does that look like? Yeah. Right. You know, and in that situation, as a psychic, I'm like, well, this is going to be what this is going to look like. Yeah. Right. But you can't worry about that shit yet. That's months and years down the line. Oh, yeah. Right now, you need to worry about what the hell you're going to do today to make sure that he doesn't beat your ass again. Yes, the immediate actions you to know, remove um, yourself from that and, situation. You know, and so yeah. what can we do? Right? What can we do? Like, can I call someone for you right now? Can I call the police? Yeah. Can I, you know, like, what, what can we do? And yeah, this is going to be scary and shitty. You know, and in that situation, you know, also realize, like, that is entirely their call. 
Oh, yeah. They have the right to say, I'm not ready to face the mm-hmm. difficulty of making this change right now. Yep. So while I appreciate your concern, I just need you to read my cards. And in that moment, to check your ego and say, okay, okay. All right, we're, yep. we're at an understanding now. Let's finish our reading. Yep. Okay. Um, and then usually that person won't come back to you nope, because that won't. exchange is usually very awkward and uncomfortable. But, you know, that's, that's what it is. Or the opposite. They'll be gone for about three months and then they come back saying, I'm sorry, I yeah. wasn't ready to hear what you had yeah. to say. Well, I, I think of that situation because fortunately that's exactly what happened in that situation. And it wasn't three months. Like, I didn't see that woman for almost a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she did finally come back to me and, and she... Um, not that I needed it or wanted it necessarily, but given the circumstances, but she she did validate that reading. She's like, he oh, yeah. did, he did exactly all what the you things you said he was said doing, he was yeah. going to do, and and I, I I gave him a chance and gave him a chance. And I prayed somehow that something would be different or that someone would save me. But at the end of all of that, I realized only I could save me. Yeah, um, you know. And she when she came to see me, she was healthy. She got a new job. She had her own place oh, to good. live. Like she she really I would say after all those years of bullshit, she was really thriving, and it was terrifying. It was terrifying yeah, sure for her to make all that process. change. It, it, was, it felt safer to her to stay there and let this person mm. continue to abuse her than to make the change. But sooner or later, it just hurts so much. We don't have a choice. We yeah. have to change. Right? And Everyone so, has that threshold. Anyway, so that was a, that was a happy kind oh, of an yeah, ending in that absolutely. situation, right? But I would say more often than not, that is probably not the case. Chris, is there anything else that you would share with our listeners on effective ways to balance oh we have a we have a a we have a a, a management friend in the background um, <laughs> yeah they can hear it sometimes they can't hear it so that's true maybe the mic isn't picking up the uh, the dog barking we'll hope not um anyway is there anything else that you would share with our listeners tonight on like this is kind of something that helps to balance these potentially two different spectrums of work so Try not to truly encapsulate and bubble each thing in it, into its own segment or section. Okay. Try to let them blend or let okay. them overlap yeah. where you can because yeah. that makes it easier. I, I, I can imagine that would be difficult having to like compartmentalize. Yeah. You're like, I'm here today and I'm fully plugged in and now I have to unplug and reorient myself. Everything's turned off and now I'm this. just normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd imagine Don't that. Do that Although I know there are some people out there that seem to be very good at compartmentalizing. And for, so, for how long? Yeah, exactly. you're absolutely right. That, that after a time, it gets to be, that's an exhausting game to play. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, let's let's switch up here. What are we? Um, what are we really loving or hating about the witchcraft community right now? Does anybody have anything? I don't really have anything. I got I got on a subject. Uh, I, I asked a question a couple of days ago about shadow work. Did where to start and what journal Sorry. them you were, prompts? You were you were yawn talking. So you said shadow work. Shadow work. Okay. And what journals to use and prompts and affirmation boards. And all I can say is shadow work is most definitely a component of witchcraft. But shadow work happens as you are growing, learning, and practicing your craft. Hmm. You know, there's no way around it. There are people like, oh, well, I don't do shadow work. And I'm like, really? So so, so years ago when you were absolutely terrified of working with, oh, let's just say the Morrigan, and now you're like a devotee, that's shadow work. That you, shadow you overcome work. something. You, you know? may not be a fan of doing it knowingly, but you're doing it. Everyone does it, no matter what. And so, 
I, I was asked like, well, what books with this, with that, blah, 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 blah. and I and and I have to tell you this, unless you are under the care of a physician and working with a therapist, do not try and do shadow work alone. Particularly if you are just starting, guess what? You are going to do more harm than good. A lot of people don't quite understand that shadow work is the integration of shadows, not the dissolving or banishment thereof. So if you're one of those people who is trying to do shadow work and you find you're struggling and it just wrecks you, shadow work is rough. Yes, but after actually doing some intense shadow work and working through it, you shouldn't be more traumatized than when you started. Shadow work is self-acceptance. Like, it shouldn't be... Well, it's part partially self-acceptance. It shouldn't be... It shouldn't be, oh, I'm going to work on this trauma by traumatizing myself further. That's not how that works. That's the least effective kind of exposure therapy. <laughs> well, you, you um, mentioned something earlier, and I think this is kind of like going to get back to the core or to the core of what you're the messenger or the what you're trying to explain that is that shadow work, though it is very often something that, that people feel they need to kind of dive into and make a big focus of mm-hmm. or on around their not even necessarily spiritual work or growth, but just just their, their just their personal work because that's mm-hmm. what it is, right? Shadow work can be very much a component of spiritual practice, witchcraft, but it, it is in and of itself not necessarily a witchcraft practice. No, it is it's, not. It's, it's a personal practice that you often go through as you grow as a witch. Yes. Right? And witch. so would you say that shadow work is something that is really, to be honest, affected more... Or, or happens really probably a good percentage of the time organically? Yes. Organically and consciously at the same time. So if you're if you're working through shadows on an organic level, part of shadow work is going, oh, I acknowledge that. That made me uncomfortable. That's a thing. Yeah. I'm going to be aware of that next time. And not avoiding it, but instead going, okay, I see you. You're there. It's, it's, it's just like trying to get over the f- a fear of, like, a spider. You know, if you see a spider in your house, it's a normal little household spider, and you freak out and you want to burn the entire house to the ground, that's, that's not a healthy way to handle that. Right. Instead, oh, you're there. I acknowledge you. I don't want you there. Oh, spider, you scared me too. <laughs> yes. I don't want you there, but... I know your purpose. You have a purpose, you know? And so you can choose to take that, place that spider outside, where we'll inevitably, most likely, somehow, someway, get back in, or it already had babies in the house, mm-hmm. whatever. Or you can place it in a household plant where it can live and do its job, where you're aware of where you put it, and acknowledge it. Or just have an agreement saying... Don't be where I can see you. Yes. If I can see you, you're going outside, or I'm going to let my cat eat you. Yes. That's my agreement. And don't don't lay don't lay eggs in my house. Yes. Say, except say, for do not want spider bebes in the house. Yes. Except for in terms of shadow work, that's really what it is. It is <laughs> that shadow pops up and you go, "Hello, you are a part of me, and it is a part of you, part of me myself that I do not like, or that I am having trouble accepting or working through. So you're going to be there." 
You popped up around this person around this time during this thing. And I'm going to be aware of that. I'm not going to avoid that situation unless it, cause me, unless it causes me extreme mental and emotional and spiritual duress. And sometimes physical duress. Instead, I'm going to acknowledge you. And I'm going to be prepared yeah. when you decide to speak your mind. And as you do that, you will organically move through those things and integrate them efficiently into yourself. Sitting down and traumatizing yourself further by trying to force force yourself to accept this shadow or pull it in or, 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 destroy, or it. destroy it or whatever people out there are fucking doing with shadows and shadow work is not healthy. The human psyche cannot handle that. Well, that's good. Well, talk of organic shadows. I just, I want to go to, I want to go to a Whole Foods and buy organic <laughs> shadows. Okay, so um, about the, what we love and hate. Yeah. I've been noticing in, here in our store, mm-hmm. people are trying to say that they're baby witches again. I and it drives think me crazy. I think we're ever going to get away with that well, or, one, or get away from that. One, one witch at a time, I say, are you completely helpless? Are you infantile? You can't feed, clothe, or take care of yourself? Well, No. So you're not a baby witch, you may be new at it, and we were all new at one point or another, or you're still learning about witchcraft, no one is a baby witch. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I no, fucking hate we, that term. We, we, I yeah, hate we, it so we, much. We've I, I know we've talked that. about it before, but yeah. it's coming up again. I wrote a blog post it. about it. I, I think, to be honest, I think every, every new wave of witches and those who are interested in witchcraft and paganism... I think we're going to get that from those those people because those are terms that continue to be kind of passed on. They're very, uh, they're very. That's a very trending social media kind of. Well, it is, but I also I think that a lot of these people if there. We can, if we can say a message here that reaches enough people, maybe other people can start helping correct people when they hear it. It's like, oh no no, you're not baby witch. You're a witch that's still learning new things. Yeah. Well, I you guess know, I guess as, as we've yeah. discussed that on the po- podcast in the past or. You know, and as we have that conversation with people in the store, because you know, like you, yeah. we're, we're all here in this, yeah. in the store working, right? Um, I guess the thing I always and, and I, I tend to be a very, I tend to be a very a visual kind of person, right? And so when I have someone come into the store or in, in any other kind of interaction, and they drop the term, "Well, I'm a baby witch," in my my brain, what I do is I immediately picture that person with like water wings <laughs> on, because that's really what that is, if you think about it, right? Like yeah. you're using this term. Because on some level, you're still insecure enough about your knowledge and your experience of this. And you might be worried that I may judge you. Or I might think that you're stupid. <laughs> or I'm not going to want to help you. Right? Like, you're thinking these things. And yes, at the same time, you are definitely diminishing yourself as a person. And you're, you're diminishing your capability right. to do this, right? Um, but I think that's really kind of what that is. It seems to be more of like a, like a kind of like a, I would say a... Like a, a defense, like a subtle defense against, like, I'm not here for judgment. I don't want people thinking ill of me. So I'm going to, to immediately throw this out there so that you understand this is where I'm at and where I'm coming from. You know, so like and so basically, yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's like this is a flotation device for you, you know, and that's fine. That's fine. The problem that I have then is that a week later, that same person will be in the store and they'll be talking to me about how can I summon this demon? 
Yeah, it's like, no, no, you're and I'm like, And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, wait a minute, you still have your water wings on. What the hell are you trying to do? You what know? happened to baby like, witch? Like, yes, you're baby not, witches like, don't summon like, demons. You're not ready for this yet, I, pro- I promise yeah, you. Yeah. It's not that no. you can't, and if you're really insisting that you need to do this, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes really fucking it up is the best way, best to, learn. way to learn. Oh, but yeah. you, you got you to gotta learn how to swim. You know, mm-hmm. before you're just gonna decide to you know dive into the deep end, right? You know, and so that's that's the challenge I have with those people. It's like like you. So one, I don't have a problem with someone being new and asking yeah, questions because yeah. mm-hmm. I really truly feel that's one of our roles. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, is being yeah. a store owner, doing the spiritual shop that we have. One of our roles is to help people better their spiritual abilities, mm-hmm. better their spiritual their witchcraft, so that they can get to a point where they don't feel like they have to call themselves a baby witch. They can say, hey, I know the basics. Or, hey, I'm learning more and more and I'm more and more comfortable with my abilities and my power and I'm growing as a witch. When someone comes in and says, tells me that they're a baby witch, I just hand them a Llewellyn coloring book and some coloring pencils and go, there you go. There you go. And then when they show up with candles, I'm like, no, no, no. No, no. Coloring book. Coloring book. <laughs> because babies don't get to play with fire. And they're like, ha, 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 and I'm like... But you get your point across. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no. No, I'm not trusting a child uh, with fire. It's not happening. No, I like it. I just, I, I don't just, really do that, but I really no, want, you to want to. want to. I just call I'm, them out. I I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna you're get not on, a baby. I'm going to get online, and I'm going to see if we can have... Like, we have the t-shirts printed for the podcast. I'm going to get online and see if we can have some custom printing done... So that when people come in and they identify themselves as a baby witch, we can like reach under the counter and we can pull out a pacifier that has a little pentacle on it. Oh, You're like, yeah. here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I would, no, I would, I, I think I would it's not want awesome to, I would not want to embarrass anybody like that. But I just, so I, that I'm would sure be that. fun for the next two months. If you come into the store, you can only buy stuff if you have this pacifier. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. I, I understand. <laughs> I, 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 I get the frustration. I very much understand. Where Mike is from coming from as well, where it's like it's a life preserver, and I'm like, yeah, I get that. So I always take the ch- time to educate them. They go, well, I'm a baby witch. I'm like, no, you're a beginner. Well, yeah, I'm a baby. I'm like, no, if you're a baby, I'm not selling you any candles. And I'm sorry, but this term baby witch is very. It makes you sound like an invalid. It yeah. Makes you sound. Yeah. It makes you sound like like every single time I hear it, I always just think it's like. An adult person in a diaper with the weird bonnet thingy in me. I'm a bit bitch, yeah. and I'm like, I didn't have children, so why do I want to deal with you? Okay. Now, if you come in and you say, "Well, I'm new. I'm just starting out. I don't really have a lot to go off of. I'm gonna respect you more and treat you like an adult." Yep. There's nothing worse as an adult person having someone treat you like a child because of your age or your perceived age. Yes. We all know how I feel about the age yes, thing. You, you, you get very, I get very upset, upset yes. particularly when it's over the phone. Like, well, how old are you? You sound really young. And it's like, it well, I've been doing this longer than you've been out of the Mormon church. Yeah, um, so you can go fuck yourself and enjoy <laughs> the hex. <laughs> Hopefully our listeners didn't just lose yeah, their hearing with that clap. Um, but it, it is very much, if you're a beginner, just call yourself you're a beginner. Exactly. Call yourself a seeker. Do not, I understand that you're not demeaning yourself, 
but it is very much like my said. It's that very safe, like, well, I'm a baby. Well, it, the way I do it is I explain to him. It's like, are you really a baby? Can like when you're coming in here, are you expecting me to feed you, clothe you, change your diaper? No. You know how to do these basic life principles. You just want to take it a step further and learn new exper- new things. You're a new. We're coming like, in with an adult money and a debit card. Yeah. You're not a baby. Exactly. You're using Apple Pay. And usually they're like, yeah, you're right. I'm not a baby. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but it is. It's like a pet peeve because it's like, wh- why does it keep cropping up? You think yeah, you, you fixed I, it and you're I, like... I, yeah, I don't think... I'm new because then for a while there, the people are like, oh, I'm a new to this. I'm new Should to we witchcraft. put a sign on the entrance of the store? Like, no we, babies. We, we do not sell products to baby witches. There you go. Okay. Gotcha. No, because if we do that, then they're, they're going to misunderstand. They're gonna misunderstand. Oh yeah, yeah, you're like you're I, I judging know. me. You're gatekeeping. You're gatekeeping. Yes, I was. Well, I was already accused of being a gatekeeper once today. So why not? You know, why not go for all of it? Um, something that I wanted to talk about that's really kind of getting on my nerves lately, and this is, I think, something that actually will be of interest to people who would identify as baby witches mm-hmm. or newer beginner witches. But I'm I'm getting a little irritated with arrogant pagan authors who, you know, they write a book and they gain a little bit of celebrity and recognition within the pagan community, the witchcraft community, whatever. And and then they, they develop this ego or this persona, you know, like, now I'm this. And, you know, and, and really, I want to say that more often than not, people who are writing books in the pagan and witchcraft community, all they're really doing is just regurgitating the same shit that a lot of other people have already written and, you know, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say that the books aren't aren't wonderful and that there aren't some really cool voices within the pagan and witch community, people that are actually teaching and putting out good information. But for every one witch book that comes out that is actually worth reading, you're going to get 300 that aren't. And all of those 300 books that aren't are all going to probably have the exact same information in them. Um, and so again, so don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say you shouldn't go by books. I'm not trying to say that there isn't something to be learned there. It really comes back down to once again, to the authors that write a lot of these books, because they do, they come out of nowhere. A lot of them, you know, they come out of obscurity, you know, they publish a blog for a little while, you know, they write a few articles for Patheos, you know, and then they finally drop a book, you know, that once again, is really primarily information that they've just rewritten, you know, um, and, uh, and then they, you know, they decide, oh, well, now I'm a voice within the witchcraft community and everyone should listen to me and kiss my ass. And now I can charge $5,000 so for a weekend workshop. So it's kind of the ego <laughs> part of it. Yeah, so that's really that's what it is. But I, like, I guess, I, I guess where, where I, I really, I struggle with this is that, um, well, for a couple of things. One, that in doing that, they now, by behaving in that way, they now place themselves really outside of the community. Mm-hmm. Because by behaving that way, they've made it very clear, like, this is now only about my success and what I do and the way that people look at me as big name within the pagan author community, right? Um, But also, and this is, again, going to sound really shitty, and as someone who has been working on writing a book now for a couple of years, I'm going to sound like a total hypocrite when I say this, but it's... No, no one's getting rich and famous writing books on paganism and witchcraft. Nope. Like, if you think you're going to write a book on paganism and witchcraft, and that's going to now be like, and now I'm set, I'm going to be a millionaire. Boy, you could not be more wrong. <laughs> Your market is, for one, not big enough to make that amount of money. 
And with all of the garbage books that are coming out, very often if you've written a good book, it's going to be lost in the, the tidal wave of crap. Yup. Um, and and you, you need to check yourself a little bit. As an author, you need to do what you can to try to stay humble. Otherwise, you're ultimately going to alienate the people that you want support from. And I've seen that happen again and again. And I'm not going to drop any names. But, you know, there are, there are even in, in recent months, there have been some issues that I've seen pop up with, you know, fairly well-known authors within the pagan and witch communities who have caught some major attitude. You know, they've I had know they've the, had one someone, of them you're talking. They've about. had someone contact them and ask them a question, and they've been like, "Well, who are you to ask me?" You know, and it's like, "Excuse me, I'm out of the loop. I don't know who these people it's like, are." Like, well, we'll talk off air um, because you know we don't we don't need to trash somebody's favorite. Yeah, author. we'll take this offline. Um, <laughs> anyway, so but you know, but I want to say you know to those of you who who buy pagan books, wonderful. If you're buying books and you have found them to be of benefit to your practice, and absolutely they will be. That's why they exist, right? Information, knowledge, power. Um, Can I add more? But be mindful of that, you know, take a little bit of time, do a little bit of research into the people that, that have written those books. You know, we talk a lot these days about decolonizing our craft, you know, in the concept of, you know, looking more honestly at the work of older generational pagan authors and witchcraft authors where they have proven to be problematic, right? Many often times, or more often they were really basically just products of their generation, right? And yeah, they write shit that we now see and understand as racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever, right? We understand that now, right? But we have people who are copying these same kinds of attitudes and who are approaching their work, writing and releasing books today, you know? And no one bothers to do any research. No one bothers to dig in and realize like, oh yeah, this person that's written several books and is really well known, yeah, they're a sexual predator. This yeah. person that's been for years identified as an expert on the topic of runes and Norse paganism, yeah, they're a white supremacist. You know, like, that shit slips through the cracks all the time, and it makes me crazy, because you've got people who go out, they give, they spend money, that is all money going into the pockets of these people who really, at the end of the day, probably don't deserve it any more than anybody else does. And, um... And then usually the people that are buying these books are incorporating what these people are writing very integrally, or integrally, very, 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 very much. They're they're integrating these things like at a root level into their personal practice, and, and then they're, they're on, taking every piece of knowledge that they're getting from mm -hmm. that that author and, and treating it like scripture yeah. and or like yeah. well, absolute and, and, truth. And, I, well, and again, I want to say a lot of the time, whatever it is they've gotten from that author is really basically just what that author is rewritten mm -hmm. that you know several prior generations of authors have already written, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, I I don't know. That's just something that I've noticed. And again, I'm I'm, I'm speaking from some personal things that I've seen. All right, just some, we're on to the top yeah, of the book. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, this is the one thing I want to say. We don't collect books on witchcraft and self improvement and spirituality to collect the books. You also have to read them. Oh, you mean because I'm finding that more and more. It's like I've talked to people and I'm like, well, what should be the next books I get get? And I'm like, well, what's the last book you got and, and did you finish did reading you read it? it? Yeah. Because that's the question I have to ask. And I was like, well, I've got like five books at home that I've recently purchased, but I haven't read any of them yet. Well, my answer, and I know it's not good for the business, but it's like, read those books first. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a, that's an honest conversation though, right? Yeah. Because... Yes, absolutely. We, we run a business where we sell a lot of metaphysical books, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and yes, for the sake of keeping the lights on so that we can do the other important shit that we do here, yeah, we want to sell books, yeah. right? And, and other things that we do here, right? But, but also, we're, we're ethical in that we don't 
we're not going to we're, we're not going to we're not going to force you to purchase something, or we're not going to encourage you or, to purchase something. Or we're not going to let you buy books just to buy a book and exactly. say I've got that book. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say, did you read the other ones that you got? Yeah. And what did what questions did you get? What did you get stuck yeah. on? What intrigued you? Because that might give you an idea of what next book you might want to read because it coincides with or it relates to something that you really enjoyed or some mm-hmm. ability that you want to further study. Yeah. But you've got to read the book first. Yeah. And exactly. when I hear that, well, then, more often than not, I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Well, then don't, don't buy, buy another, another book. book. Wait, yeah, read exactly. What you got. Yeah. Why are you not reading the one you already have? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I get that. Well, and would you say, you know, again, for the benefit of people listening, like when you purchase a book and you learn you know you read the book and you you are able to absorb or learn the information that's in that book right haven't you would you agree that 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 is somehow now going to alter your perspective or your vision in a way where maybe now you don't need the book now that you thought you needed because what you've learned from this book Mm -hmm. has now kind of sent you in a very different direction completely different path yes so why would you just keep buying books about green witchcraft when you read one and you didn't like it and you decided oh yeah this isn't for me but now I've got this pile of books on green witchcraft that I know I'm probably never going to touch because ew no I don't want to get my hands dirty I don't want to deal with plants and herbs well the the next piece in that is after you've read a book and you've incorporated some gnosis or knowledge from that book mm. practice yeah you actually should probably like be doing the rituals and yeah stuff. yeah yes. we, we t- we've talked a lot Apply about why and don't. test and use that stuff that you've learned yeah. to see what works for you and how it fits for you because that will also change your perspective of yeah. what's the next book oh yeah you need to get practical with that knowledge, having the knowledge is not, is not enough. You've got to put it into practice. And yet, we've talked about that before. We we do not encourage people. You do not want to be an armchair occultist or a magical tourist. Um, you need to you need to do the work. Otherwise, you're you're never really going to be able to establish a real practice. Having the knowledge is one thing, and if you're someone that basically just likes to learn, kind of wonderful, right? You can but be then, a sage, but not then a witch. D- but then don't plunk yourself <laughs> down in the middle of a group of practicing witches yeah. and occultists and decide that your opinion is going to carry as much weight. Because it never will. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm good, good with that. Good, good ad there on the end of that, Chris. All right, so. Does anybody have anything else they would like to throw into the episode before we uh, we sign off? I think I'm good. I'm spent. Uh, you're spent. <laughs> okay. Austin is half asleep. Um, I, I, I'm feeling a little bit of a bad magical burnout. I, I can't lie. St. Michael whooped your ass. Well, no, he, it's just um, it's important working. It has been days. it has been about a, a little over a week's worth of consistent magical work to create that product. Yep, and I mean that's how you do it. That's how you're supposed to do it. I think yeah, that, it's it's good. That, you know, people don't realize right. They come into a shop like ours, and I, and I can't say every shop. I'm not trying to trash other shops, but I, I can't say just I just from knowledge. I I can say. That a lot of other shops out there, all the shit that they have on their shelves is crap that they have bought from a catalog somewhere. You know, our shop, and I know a couple of others in our in the area, many other places like Jeff, Jeff's mm-hmm. shop, that witchy dude, uh, Mama Sarah at Contra Cardia. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other businesses out there where Mister Crow Crossroads. These are people that are every day craft handcrafting 
making those things, praying over their things, doing the spells and the rituals to charge those things, right? Like we in our shop, we make all our, our, our candles, we make our incense, we do these things. We have other curios and, and talismans regularly in the store that we have crafted, and we mm-hmm. and it takes time. Well, see, to that's make kind that of the, the dilemma, though. We do that to save other people time, and I don't think they realize how much we've done to help yeah. them. Yeah. Do all that extra yeah. work well, and give them a product where they can say, "I'm going to just do this and use it, and I'm done." Well, and to when try to make realistic- that product yes. affordable yes. as well. well to make that product affordable and in large enough quantities that you're not going to that that more than one or two people will be able to get it. Oh, exactly. The, the you know making making the Saint Michael condition oil. Meh. I I can make conjure oils really 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 pretty easy. Right. It was the work of working the iron that I had to do that was so like it was great I you enjoyed awesome experience it. I enjoyed it don't get me wrong but traditionally when you make those things you make them two three four at a time yeah you don't take 20, 23 20 or more yeah and go from it with that and then not just that but i did it after a full day of teaching oh yeah in in my mundane life and so because you had to because i had that's to what, because, that's where because that's, that's where it happened that's yes. where all your your planets were lined up and everything was exactly you had to do it at that exactly time. you know and on top of that it would have been would it have been better if i could have done it on a sunday yes would have been but better it, if I but it wasn't the right time. But you had to do well, it no, right I had to do it then because I had people who were expecting it the next day, and so I had to, in my witch and my conjure brain, had to go. Okay, how can I harness the energies that I need, utilizing the time that I have? Yeah, because that's what you do as a witch that's and a conjure do, worker. Right? Um, and so I did, and there's they have a good charge, they have a good feel, but like me. Sitting here after let's You're exhausted, see. I can tell. I I did um, I I taught a lesson today. Yeah, you look really tired right now. Thank you. Like you really you look tired. Exhausted. Thank you. Like the bags and the lines. No, there's your no eyes. bags. You, you just, look you look really energetically. And you look really tired. really tired. Like really. So anyway, really so I taught tired. a lesson, and then immediately <laughs> after that lesson, I came in here, and from about one fifteen till about six o'clock, I was wrapping and finishing up the work. I needed mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. And that I know that's like, oh, well, good for you. You're exhausted. I'm like, no, I'm just saying, like, no one really understands the work that goes into it. Well, and so that goes to my point, though. Yeah. As uh, us as a store, we're almost kind of cheating our witchy customers because we're making it easier for them, but they're, they're missing out on the work aspect of making these products for themselves. Well, I wouldn't say we're cheating. Well, so maybe that's because too hard of a word, but. I think sometimes we are not necessarily doing a a service or maybe we're doing a slight disservice Mm -hmm. because we're making it so convenient. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I mean, it depends. You can learn to make incense anywhere online. Well, I'm not talking just incense. I'm talking about the conjure oils. Well, uh, the conjure oils, you can learn about that too. But candles. Charged candles. Our store is a, I want this. I have it instant gratification mm-hmm. when for a witch that's usually like you're doing it on your own that's not how it works it's not instant gratification mm-hmm. it's like okay 
an hour or two hours from now, now I have that mm-hmm. product after I've done these well, steps. Well, certain uh, an things. hour, hell, or two hours, like days. Well, yeah. well so and a certain thing, shit. certain things. Depending on which thing it is, yes. I'm just, I'm just trying to give an example that. Certain things you just can't, you can't just go online to Google and type in how to make it. No. Yeah. You know, the spikes, you can Google how to make that. And if you do, it's going to be some convoluted, like, kind of thing. I was taught how to make those by my grandmother, and she died before I had the before she taught me how to tie it. And so I'm sitting here today, like, I don't know. So so I just had to wing it. And I did a pretty good job. So you figured it out. Yeah. Well, I I sent Jeff a message, and I was like, I did it. And he was like, help. And he was like, oh. You should have just called me. He's like, I would have walked you how to actually tie those appropriately. He's like, they're not bad. They're going to work, obviously. He's like, but like, there's like a particular way that it is like, boom, it's done. And I'm like, God damn it. Should have called him sooner. <sighs> so, but, you know, and, and the thing is, is, I love doing this stuff. I love being able to provide that security for people. I love being able to provide the product. And I think all of us here can say that. You know, for as much as it is painstaking work, I love the fact that... Tori Amos uses my incense. Yeah, absolutely. Name dropper. I love the fact that there are people out there who I personally enjoy who go, oh no, this is this is good shit. Like, this is what you want. I love that. It makes me feel good. Like, yes, pat on the back, I did something good. But then there are other times where people come in and they buy eight bags of the same scent and I'm like, you have no idea how long it's going to take me to replenish that. And I have 500 other things that I have to do now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what I say. It's also, like, I'm thoroughly was... convinced people are just cu- cutting up the incense and doing lines. They take it for granted. That's what I'm saying. Is like Maybe we do a little bit of a disservice because they're not appreciating the level of work because we're making it instant gratification. <laughs> I want... Capitalist I American have. society. Yeah. Well, we are. We're, we're a capitalist culture and we're all consumers. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. Oh, no. Well, we, will, just, we will continue I'm pointing to... out the fact that yeah, yes. and in some ways, we're giving shortcuts to witches. Well, you know, I think we're we're all creatures of convenience, right? And yeah. I guess I guess you know the well, and I'm I'm the first one to to take advantage is, of a convenience. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, we're we're we all love convenience. So yeah, so I mean, so we will continue to do this, but but yeah, but I I think it's interesting sometimes, yeah, because in trying to re- explain that to people, it can be difficult to have that conversation. Because well, and then there are they've never they've never done that. They're not going to realize. They're not going to understand. Mm-hmm. Like this is exactly what goes into this. Mm-hmm. Well, and then a lot of times it's like, oh, you guys just do so much you need a break and it's like if i took a break you wouldn't have that railroad spike yeah oil. exactly yeah you wouldn't have your half of the stuff on our shelf would wouldn't be there because yes. it yeah. would it didn't get made so, because yeah. we took a break yeah yeah no so, absolutely that's okay anyway so tired austin you look so tired Thank really you. really tired Thank almost you. as tired as you Mike. very tired as tired of my shit is what he is anyway <laughs> i'm okay. looking forward God, that to that last going. little bit there god seemed like like was that was that like us feeling sorry for ourselves that we no have to no because i don't feel so sorry much. for myself no. <laughs> okay i'm very right. grateful we did go on a rant but we're not we're not sorry yeah. for ourselves. i'm very i'm very grateful for the fact that we have the ability to do this podcast that we have a shop that we have all this stuff that we get to do and that for my life for my livelihood, I get to do the stuff that, you know, for years people were telling me, "Oh, you can't, you can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that." I'm a professional witch, mm-hmm. not, and a professional voice teacher, which I never thought I'd say. I always thought I'd end up somewhere performing, <laughs> but I'm a professional witch. 
How many people can say that? How many people can go, oh yeah, no, I'm a professional witch. Like, I can do this, 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 and this for you, and it's going to fulfill the spiritual need that you need. How many people can say that... How many people say that? They can't. A lot of people can't. So, I'm very grateful for it. Doesn't mean that I'm not tired. (laughs) So tired. Oh my god, okay. Really, really tired. Okay, you can get a ride home with Chris. (laughs) Exhausted. (laughs) Exhausted. So tired. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody. We're gonna call this an episode. Um, hopefully, you've enjoyed our uh, our usual nonsense, our um, silliness. Chris, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thank you, no, Chris. it was nice to be back again. Yes, it was very. Yeah, it's been a been long time since we had you on. Yeah, um, and we will, of course, we'll be back next week with another episode. Our um, we have another guest next week. Um, our guest next week has been on the the podcast before. Joey will be returning uh, for what I believe will be a very interesting conversation on the concept of christian witchcraft um so hopefully everybody will tune in for that um those of you may have noticed so fetch um say an oxymoron (laughs) well we're going to talk about that a little bit on the episode um those of you who listen to the podcast regularly probably have noticed that this episode did not feature our music interludes we, uh, we were trying something new there, and I think we've decided that we're going to have to stop that because there has apparently been a problem with other podcast platforms not being able to play our episodes because of licensing issues around music. So um, so we tried something. We, we were kind of digging it. We were just kind of getting into the, the flow of it, but we are going to have to stop putting music on the podcast because we cannot get apple and google and a couple of other uh, other streaming to services play nice. to play nice so anyway maybe we'll look at it again somewhere down the line but that's it everybody please um have a lovely day a lovely night wherever you may be and uh we will talk to you again in the next few days bye Happy witching. <laughs>